the greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy, and today we're back with another exciting edition of the Cannon Cruisers. And we checked out the 1987 superhero film directed by Sidney J. Fury, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. That's right, we finally got to it. It took long enough. Uh, All because JD did not want to rewatch Superman 1, 2, and 3 in preparation for this. No, I didn't want to watch four different movies in case anybody forgot... The way we usually do canon cruises is before we do the canon entry, we usually watch the older entries first. We broke that with Penitentiary for the simple reason that we didn't want to watch two other movies. That are the exact same thing. And we didn't want to do it with this one because we didn't want to watch three movies back to back. So instead, we just jumped straight ahead. Four movies back to back. Um, So, the cast of this film very obviously stars Christopher Reeve as Superman. Mm -hmm. Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Mm Mm-hmm. Mark Pillow as Nuclear Man? Well, of course he would be there. Jackie Cooper as Perry White. Mark mm-hmm. McClure as Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. John Cryer as Lenny Luther. Mm-hmm. Sam Wanamaker as David Warfield. Mariel Hemingway as Lacey Warfield. And Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Yep. I found it really weird that Margot Kidder is so far down on the list. Nah, that's kind of bizarre. So... Uh, Mariel Hemingway is playing the love interest of Clark Kent while Lois Lane is the love interest of Superman. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. What's this movie weird. about, J.D.? Well, it's a Superman movie. So it's a movie about Superman as he deals with a problem. In this case, a kid asks him to basically end the arms race. So he takes all the nuclear weapons and throws them in the sun. Lex Luthor gets mad and he uses Superman's hair to create a anti-Superman with nuclear device and almost a bizarro Superman if you will I mean you could say that for sure and they fight with no budget well they have budget sometimes but it's not much of one and then there's one particular part which we'll get to in a bit where there is no budget there's like what three plots in this film the first plot is the typical Superman movie with the nuclear man the second plot is somebody buys out the daily planet and turns it into a tabloid which uh, and then the weird love triangle which ties into the love triangle yeah it's basically so you have a rom-com a business movie and a superman it's kind of two different things going on there's a there's the clark kent story basically and then there's the superman story basically uh it's the sort of thing you'd expect out of a superman movie and honestly impression wise none of those three storylines were very good no they were just kind of there in fact, mm, uh, how should we say this? The general impression of the movie I got is that it didn't actually feel like a movie that was made in 1987. It actually felt like it could have come out back when the original ones came out. 
It didn't really feel a whole lot different than the old Superman. The only thing that was changed about it was the fact that... Um, they slashed a budget by more than half? And there $6 was million no dollars of that budget was uh, all for Reeve? There was no budget for a good portion of this movie. And so, so, it hurt it a lot. So... That, so the final budget for the film was like $16 million after they slashed more than half of it down to that. Of that $16 million, $6 million goes to Christopher Reeve. And then you have a couple of a more million for the other actors on it. So leaving you with like $8 million, $7 million for everything else. The first Superman movie came out in what, 1978? That was the... 79, 80 was the second one. Yeah, and this movie is seven years removed from that one almost a decade and that's why i said it looks like it could have been made back then because there was really nothing about the movie that utilized the fact that film technology had changed it just feels like they didn't allocate the budget correctly and i only can say that because i know there was a budget but a lot of it was cut and it's cut in very strange places well For they, instance, they, they cut the budget because you know canon makes their money on uh, uh, television deals and home video deals. This is not a movie they should have cut the budget and on. And at the original budget, they weren't going to make any money back on that back end. No, this this movie should not have had the budget cut. And if it did have the budget cut, there are several things they should have changed, which uh, we'll get to in a bit for a very specific reason. But I just want to say, generally, the movie, whatever that's false or whatever aside is... It doesn't feel very far removed from the old movies, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. It's not really that different. So, with, with you having said that, I'm going to go lay out why this movie is such a bad movie, and who is to blame. Okay. So, first off, Canon, very obviously to blame, but they're cutting their budget. Yeah, that was but a mistake. That could have been overcome, though. In order to do this movie... Mm -hmm. The third of the remaining budget went to Christopher Reeve. So this is what they gave Christopher Reeve. Mm -hmm. Six million dollars of pay. So his mm -hmm. largest payday to date. Okay. Creative control over the film. So he gets a writing credit on the film. And the basic plot about nuclear disarmament was a requirement of them hiring him. He's the one that said, oh, but it has to be about nuclear disarmament. He had choice over the director. He almost directed the film. Mm -hmm. um, but he ended up doing second unit directing. Mm -hmm. So directing. Mm-hmm. And, and script partially by him. Mm -hmm. A lot of the choices are directly back yeah. to Reeves, all because he was getting their deal with Canon. Yeah, if there's any person you can blame for pretty much any fault in this movie, it goes back to Christopher Reeve, unfortunately. His... Which is really weird, and then you read anything about this, all the other actors were kind of like, yeah, nobody got along with Chris on, on this film. Uh, yeah. He had an inflated ego. It's like... No, not Christopher Reeves. Mm. Yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of the issues with the movie doesn't really stem from any particular thing. It's more that it was not managed well, and you can tell. Because as I said, you could say like, well, the budget was cut. Yeah, that's a bad thing. But there are several things even I talked about when we were watching. Like, if you would have done this this way, you could have got around the budget problem. But they didn't do that. Instead, they just, yeah, let's have our bad effects shoulder this for some reason even though it clearly doesn't look good and that happened several times but there's also things like the basic flying effects some scenes they look fine other scenes they look 
really bad for some reason, but it's the same effect. So why it does that, I don't know. And there's several parts of the movie too. Like, um, the, their first fight is barely choreographed at all. And then the later one, they're fighting on the moon. And then it awkwardly ends for some reason. And then they just start it up again and it ends. Like, there's thing, there's choices that, why are, why did you do this? This, it doesn't help anything and it's just awkward. It's, that's several times in the movie. And this movie set in Metropolis is all shot in location on in the UK on a farm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. It's like it, the beginning of the movie actually has uh, Clark Kent Superman going back to his hometown of Smallville uh, to sell his parents a farm. Mm-hmm. And even though the original farm for the original movies was uh, still uh, together and located in Alberta, they shot it at a farmstead in the UK, which was near there where they were shooting yeah. the rest of the film on a soundstage of sorts in the UK, because yeah. that's where the prices could be kept the lowest for them. Yeah, budget issues again. And they begged them, let us at least film this one scene in front of the United Nations in New York. And what did they say? No, we're gonna have no, we're gonna get a hundred extras, no cars, uh, and release some pigeons just to give you some ambiance. That's your New York. It's like mm. it doesn't look anything like the the actual spot. No, but like I said, general impression of the movie is that. Despite like its obvious faults, it does at the very least feel like a Superman movie would feel like. I was expecting it to be a lot more jarring than it was. How about the part in here where the uh, production that they fired or they left all the production and film crew and replaced them with their cheap non-union Israeli equivalents, including in the special effects house? I'm sure I could have seen that at several points in the movie because I said there's... The movie itself isn't very consistent. Like for, I don't even know how long, like the first, I guess, 30 minutes or so, I just want to say, feels like a typical Superman movie that doesn't feel anything really out of joint in it. It just feels like a movie you would have watched. With some of the most unexciting action you will ever see in a Superman movie. Well, there wasn't really any in the first 30 minutes. That's what I mean. It just felt like a normal Superman movie. Um, Yeah, JD, if you remember Superman, the movie, Mm -hmm. the first hour, nothing goes on. Yeah. That's the, so that's, that's par for the that, course. That's type of the type of movie I'm talking about. Like that's it doesn't feel out of joint with the original one like at all. Where the issue comes in is mostly in execution and choices that shouldn't have been made, basically. Um, and that's where well, might as well just go straight into the lowlights because that's easier to talk about. Uh, the biggest low light of the movie is the lack of consistency. And I mean that in more than one way. Yeah, Just, like like the various plot lines aren't very consistent. The yeah. acting isn't very consistent. No. The directing... Okay, no, the directing is, was fine. It was, it was consistent. Um, For what they had, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the visual effects were not consistent. Then they could have been. Um, even though most of it was just him in a harness in front of a green screen, it was terribly inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, none of the fight sequences were consistent. No. Um, yeah, I... Nothing... The pacing was, wasn't even consistent. <laughs> Which is weird, seeing as they cut out over half an hour from this film so that they could air it more times in a day. So a 90-minute movie. Um, I don't even know what they would have cut out, to be quite honest. It, I, I don't see what, what else you would have been able to cut out of something Everybody, like every actor looked like they were miserable in this film. Except yeah. for Gene Hackman. He's like, well, I get a paycheck! <laughs> well, Gene Hackman was just being Lex Luthor like he was before. That, there was no real change in him. He did uh, what he always does. Yeah, and... Like, the lack of consistency behind everything is 
more or less the fault of the person in charge of the project. Because... Which is ultimately canon. Because it's like, if you read about it, so even behind mm. the scenes, it's like Reeve literally told John Cryer, this movie's going to be terrible. And then John Cryer said that they basically released an unfinished film. But the, that's the biggest problem with the film is that it doesn't have to be like that. Like, there are bad movies we watch where, like, yeah, this was doomed from day one. Just look at this. But I'm looking at the pieces of this movie that you could have made something good with it. It would have been totally fine if it wasn't a Superman movie. Like, even, like I said, with the first, like, 30 minutes where it just feels like a Superman movie is, like, they knew how to do that. It could have been done better, more consistently. Even with, like, special effects, when they would have learned, like, oh, our budget was slashed. This scene has to be cut. We have to do something else. How many different types of movies have we watched where, like, yeah, originally this scene was like this, but they had to cut it because they didn't have the budget to do it. And also, there's so many times where I'm sitting here going, that that's not how this works. What, what are you doing? That's yeah. not how this works. How about when they bring um, Muriel Hemingway into space? Okay, let's just talk about that entire scene because that was the most confusing part of the entire movie. And that's Apparently, something. being held by nuclear man or Superman makes you immune to the vacuum of space and allows you to breathe. And if you're let go, instead mm-hmm. of floating in space, you will drop like you're being falling off of a building. Well, like, the whole setup is, this was the, the part where they had their confrontation on the moon which was okay it was it was nowhere near as bad as the first one let's put it that way oh you mean uh, the one where it was just them in front of a green screen flying from place to place and occasionally picking something up yeah and then he gets slashed and then it's the end of the scene it's that was bizarre but and they, radiation poisoning in yeah. this one they have a back and forth it's like you know it's on the moon so they're like floaty and all that okay fine and then it looks like uh, he beats superman so for some reason nuclear man decides to fly back to earth becomes obsessed with the woman that gets superman's Dating. Sorry, Clark Kent's dating. It's Clark Kent's date for some reason. Brings her back up to space through the Earth's atmosphere while she's screaming the whole time. And then Clark Kent, or I should say Superman, uses the moon to block the sun, which is a whole other host of problems. So he destroyed the Earth. By moving the moon and changing the gravitational everything about the Earth, so yeah, he he killed he killed everybody. And once he blocks the sun, of course, because he does, we don't know why he knows this, but it blocks off Nuclear Man's power. No, no, no. So, he explained it to Gene Hackman. He goes, "Well, how did you figure it out? Well, when I was suffering from radiation and poisoning alone in my in my uh, basement, I realized that uh, th- that if he was born of the sun, the sun itself would be his weakness." Thank you. I don't know how you would have come to that conclusion, but. And then when that happens, okay, he drops his date and she almost falls out of his hand. As in if space, he's, by the way. As if she's falling off of a building. And this is in space. And then he goes and rescues her. I don't, again, how, I don't know. Oh, and also this doesn't change the fact that they're making so much noise in space that we're hearing. Yes, I get it. Suspension of disbelief here, but. But the whole scene doesn't make sense. It's one thing out of many different things. And then, for some reason, to kill him, he just drops him into the nuclear reactor and closes the lid, and that's apparently enough to kill him, I guess. And power the planet in its internal darkness, now that the moon has been permanently placed in in line with the sun? I don't know. I'm assuming that he turned back the clock at some point. That's the point where I figured, oh, right, they just needed to end the movie. (laughs) They just... Because the whole scene doesn't make any sort of sense. It doesn't even make sense why he was even... 
interested in the girl to begin with because they never interacted so it made sense when you thought that okay it's supposed to be it's it's supposed to be a a bizarro clone of superman and and when he was the dna was stolen maybe he was uh into lacy at that point and that's was genetic memory blah 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 but that's not the movie no um and also because they if that was the movie then they stole the hair from the museum it was from a long time ago so it would have been lois so yeah so it should have been lois who who got sidelined for this character I am not this movie's don't, kind of stupid. I I like this movie's bad. Don't forget the fact that the whole the hair was literally holding up a thousand pound ball and he cuts it with scissors to get it. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Why would you think that would work? Well, let me let me refer to my notes. You said I like that Gene Hackman just plays Lex Luthor as a thug in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean pretty At that much. Point, yeah. That's more or less what he did. But like that end scene was the was like to me the epitome of the film where it's just like this could have worked if you would have tried if you would have thought it out like just like tried because as i said when you're watching there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the movie and by that i mean not that there is no problem with the movie but that there's no problem with the foundation you could have made something that would have worked because even the general premise is like you know it's uh superman we want you to uh, disarm the world from nuclear weapons that's the whole plot you can do a movie with that sure and it looks like at the beginning they're going to do that until like kind of just until and then until he does it and suddenly it's like oh yes i'm nuclear man yeah and then but i'm also voiced by gene hackman because the actor playing me mark pillow can actually act i actually think that was a pretty good touch despite everything else with the movie but like i said there's nothing about the movie where you're just like why did they even bother with this? There was nothing here that could have worked. No, there was a plenty here that could have worked. It's just it was not executed as if they cared. Speaking of asking why did they even bother, John Cryer's Lenny character. Why is he even in the movie? He was needed just to get him, get Gene Hackman out of prison. It could have been anything else. Could have been Gene Hackman escaping on his own. And then they had him for the rest of the movie and he does nothing. It could have been one of his girls even because yes. he has them. Like, yes. And, and and at the end, he's just dropped off at Boys Town where he looks like he's going to be the oldest boy at the place. Yeah, that character didn't have any reason to really be in the movie at all. So. He literally was just like, oh, I got dramas, bro. <laughs> yeah, like Bill and Ted basically. Yeah, yeah, but John Cryer. But John Cryer. And, like, that's that's pretty much Superman We're going to be though. parents, Uncle! <laughs> and I think that's probably why Superman 4 ended up being so infamous for a long time, is just because every part of it just leaves you asking, why did they do it that way? Why is this movie the way it is? Why did they do it the way they did it? Why did it feel like nobody even wanted to try God, all I know is this movie has given me a headache with how bad it is. Is there anything good about this film, JD? Are there any highlights in this film? Well, I like the general tone of it. Like I said, it felt like a Superman movie. I like that they gave Nuclear Man, believe it or not, I like they did the the Gene Hackman thing. I thought it was an interesting touch because Gene Hackman's voice was actually pretty cool coming out of uh, Nuclear Man. I thought it was a good touch as well. And um, like I said, generally, I liked a lot of the ideas behind what they were doing the general execution left a lot to be desired but some of it i thought was a good idea like the fight on the moon i thought was a good touch like he clearly wanted to do like the low gravity stuff so they did some of that and it was nice um i like the fact that clark kent is still clark kent christopher reeve does a great job as clark kent he feels like he's still the best clark kent let's put it that way I don't think anybody's ever really come close to that. 
And um, Gene Hackman, again. Always Gene a Hackman. pleasure, yeah. So like, there's good parts of the movie. It's just, it doesn't come together as a whole. And it should have. My highlight of the movie, JD, is the part early on mm-hmm. where Lois Lane comes in to visit Clark and he goes, you know what? I need some air. You want to come outside with me to get some air? And they oh, walk out, God. and then he walks off the building, and she goes, no, Clark, you have so much to live for. Don't do it. And no, ah! And then he takes off his glasses, and they fly, and she goes, oh, right, you're Superman. And then they go out, and they fly around really bad. Also, another moment where I went, that's not how this works. He grabs her hand, and they fly like they're Peter Pan and Wendy. Like, they both have been sparkled on by fairy dust. Mm-hmm. And then when they go back, he kisses her, puts it on his glasses, and she forgets that he was Superman. Yeah. Since I don't really know a whole lot about the other Superman movies, I don't know if that originated in this movie or not. No, that I believe comes from two. Because that's one of the many powers they added to Superman in the movies that are not in the comics. I, so. I like his rewind power when he rewinds the camera so that he can put the uh, Great Wall of China back together that they destroyed for some reason. Yeah, I can't really blame this movie for stuff like that because that's stupid stuff. That's all part of for the course for these, so like, these Superman movies. It is what it is. I flew backwards in time, uh, backwards around the earth in the opposite direction and turned back time. So here's the the one question I did want to ask you. Is this the worst Superman movie? I've never seen Superman 3. So then you can't answer that question. Like like I said when we talked about an opera, I am not equipped to tell you if this is the worst Superman movie. Because a lot of people have told me that they actually hate Superman 3 a lot more than this movie. So I I can't really say, but... The, like, the major Which issue, is why I wanted to watch Superman 1, Superman 2, and Superman I mean, 3. It would have been too much to watch all four of them like that. But like I said... As hey, I, I did that for all of Psycho. You didn't watch Psycho 1. I watched Psycho 1. Well, yeah. But we also didn't watch it in the same day. You watched it the day before. But like I said, it's generally... It feels like a Superman movie at the least. It doesn't feel out of joint with the old ones. It's just an execution problem at the end of the day. So, Randy... All of that finally out of the way. <laughs> what is your score for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and the quest of getting through this for five years, finally getting into this movie? I'll give it a two because it wasn't worse than Hannah's War. Eh, that's true. There's, like I said, there's enough about the movie where I could say it's not unsalvageable. And... I like that Hannah's War has become our our, our new uh, punching bag for bad movies. Well, yeah. one. The thing is, it's not like it's unsalvageable. It's not even like one of the worst things we've ever watched. It's more just like, to me anyway, it just it's feels more... a bad more movie. Of, I don't like it. It just feels more like a disappointment to me than anything else. It doesn't really, like, upset me or anything. It's just like... You could have done something with this. You just didn't. I looked at JD at, at the, at, as soon as the credits rolled. I looked at him and go, this movie is fucking stupid. It was. And it didn't need to be. Because as I said, that that last part where they fly into space was too much for me. With like, okay, they, they gave up. So I'm going to give up two and I'll also give it a two. Because it would have been... Like, we've watched movies on here that are just like, you know, they're not great or anything. But at least they're enjoyable. You can tell they tried like... Masters of the Universe, for instance. There's nothing really fundamentally wrong with that movie. And Not a great adaptation, but no, it was a but fun movie. No, what it is, it tried it to do what it did. And but that's because nothing... Frank Langella carries that movie. Yeah, but as a whole, it works. Like they, That's another movie that had budget problems, but they worked around it. They still... Like the whole part where they're in the when they're in the dark, they worked around that. They well, I, I will it. I will at least say this about this movie: this movie tanking so bad meant that we never got canon Spider Man. Yeah, but that could also be conceived as a negative, because which that means that which means that because we never got hmm. canon Spider Man, we never got 
Masters of the Universe 2, where oh. He-Man was a football player fighting cyborgs. Now I don't like this movie more. <laughs> if it would have, it would have been good. We might have gotten that stuff. But yeah, as it is though, like it has a reputation. It deserves the reputation. It's not a good Superman movie. It's not a really good superhero movie, and it's just not that enjoyable to watch overall. So like, I would not recommend it. <laughs> and I think that's all I got to say about this one. The worst part of Superman one is better than the best part of Superman four. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what, what the best thing you can say about the movie. Okay. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time when you continue our cruise to the Canon Catalog. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>